0: Welcome to Wisdom in the Word podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to Wisdom and the Word. We're glad that you're joining us today. We are continuing on today in our study of Hebrews, and we're looking specifically at Hebrews chapter number 12. Today we'll be concluding with the last four verses of Hebrews 12. We'll begin reading in verse number 26, and we'll read down through verse number 29. The Bible says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. This particular section is closely related and must be understood in relationship to the previous context. Uh, As we looked at verses, uh, the earlier verses, uh, going back uh, to verses 18 to 24, we said that there was no comparison. The comparison that is being given there is a comparison between Mount Zion— And Mount Sinai, Mount Zion, uh, again represents, uh, the ending place, the eternal city, the, uh, end of a Christian's life. And of course, Mount Sinai was the place where the covenant, uh, was made. The Old Testament covenant was made at Mount Sinai and our, our Writer here is our author is again contrasting and comparing the difference between the two mounts. He compares the two mounts, uh, he compares the two metropolises, he compares the two multitudes, he compares the two mediators, and he compares the two messages. And so when you get to the end of this verse, when you come to uh, verse number 25, um, you have come to this place where you have again uh, looked at this particular section through the eyes of the writer, who is helping us understand that there's two different uh, mounts. There's Mount Sinai, what happened there, and the covenant that was made there, and there is Mount Zion, the covenant that was made at Calvary, and the difference that Jesus Christ can make. And the whole point of this particular section is to help us understand that there is that the the covenant that Christ has made. Is much better. Uh, the city is better. The 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 mount is better. Uh, the mediator is better. Everything is better when it comes to dealing with this um, this difference between what Christ has done and what was done at Sinai. Now, as we pick up in verse number twenty-five of our text today, in verses twenty-five to twenty-nine, what we're going to find is he's going to follow up this message of the comparison between these two mounts, and he's going to tell us to listen up. Listen up. And he's going to talk about a voice that's going to speak to us. And the voice is the voice of God. Notice as we uh, continue on here, uh, this particular section I've entitled, Listen Up. And let's look here at verse number 25 at the first point, And that is this, listening to the one that speaks. Listening to the one that speaks. You'll notice in verse 25, it says this, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Now, again, he's comparing the two and he's comparing the two mounts, comparing the two metropolises, and he's talking about the one that speaks from the mount. Now, if you go back, Into chapter number two, the concept of escaping was something that we were introduced to back in chapter number two, when he says to us, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed on us by them that heard him. Now, again, he's using the same type of thought here in these verses. He's talking about escaping. He says, see that refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. That is going back to these two mounts when there was rumbling and thunder in the Mount Sinai. If they didn't escape the one that spoke on earth, how are we going to escape the one who has spoken from heaven? And what he's giving us here is a warning. This is, again, a warning of apostasy. It's a warning of neglect. It's a warning of walking away. It's a warning of not receiving the truth. This has been consistent throughout uh, the book because so many have been returning back to, they've been returning back to that former covenant. They've been returning to the covenant that they uh, that could not save them, the one that was uh, would leave them dead and could not redeem them, could not cleanse them. And the writer is here telling us that you need to come to the only place where you can get cleansing, the only place where you can get help. So don't refuse the one that speaks. If they couldn't refuse and they couldn't get away from the one that spoke from Mount Sinai, how much more are we going to be in in greater danger to the one that speaks from heaven, specifically speaking of Jesus Christ? He's going to say here in, in verse number 24, he would say that the blood of the new covenant speaks better things. Than that of Abel, right? So again, the thought here from verse number 25 is the one who speaks from the earth right? The blood that spoke, Abel's blood cried out for vengeance, and God brought retribution on the basis of that. If that was the case then, then how are we going to escape any uh, voice that would come from heaven? Uh, Because the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And so again, in verse 25, he tells us we need to be listening to the one that speaks. Then in verse number 26, we find that he tells us that we need to be looking for the one who shakes, looking for the one who shakes. Notice what he says, verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. Now, there's a quotation here. In these verses, he's quoting Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 6, and he's drawing an allusion to what Haggai said in in Haggai 2, and he's making a present-day reality out of that prophecy that there is going to be a shaking that's going to take place that when God begins in judgment and God continues and he brings this earth and brings this world to a matter of of reckoning, when that reckoning takes place, there's a shaking that's going to take place. You'll notice he says in verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth. When we think about God, the psalmist presented the voice of God as a voice of many waters, a voice that sounded like, Thunderings. When we think about the voice of God, we should think about it in, a, in an awesome and reverential type of tone. The voice of God that created the world, that spoke all things into existence, that one day will shake this world once again. And there is coming a shaking of this world. People may deny it. Scoffers may look at it. Uh, They may look at it and say, because his coming has not come, and yet we continue to talk about all these things as though they are reality. Uh, We, They just genuinely believe that uh, we are believing in a fairy tale looking for someone who's not real who's not really coming but we know the scriptures declared to us if the scriptures have declared everything else that is true and we believed it we also believe that Christ is coming and that when he's when he comes we should be looking for the one who's going to shake the earth and the heavens he's going to say in verse 26 yet once more i shake not the earth only but also heaven. That is, he's not just going to shake the earth. He's going to shake the atmosphere. He's going to shake this world by the power of his coming and the power of his reckoning. Then we notice in verse number 27, he tells us we need to be learning from the one who is secure. You'll notice he says, and this word yet once more signifieth. Now he's going to tell us, I've quoted to you, Habakkuk, or Haggai chapter two and verse number six, Here's what it means. And this word, what I just quoted to you, yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. You know, there are some things in this world that cannot be shaken. There are some things in this world that are immaterial, that cannot be taken away. When we think about what happens to us in trouble and suffering, we should recognize in our lives that there are certain types of things that God uh, may allow into our lives and the devil may do to us and the world may do to us, but there are things that cannot be taken and they cannot be shaken. There are things in your life that cannot be taken and cannot be shaken. Your joy, your salvation, your peace, those things cannot be taken and they cannot be shaken. There's coming a day when the world will be shaken. The the earth and the heaven will be shaken again. But there are certain things that will not be shaken. In fact, he says says that those things that are shaken are things that are made, they're tangible, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. The eternal, the intangible things. That God has made and he has placed inside of us and placed inside our hearts the things which are true and pure and holy. Those are the things which cannot be shaken in this life and they cannot will not be shaken in the life which is to come. They are they are secure. And so we need to anchor ourselves on those things, anchor ourselves on the things which cannot be shaken, the things which are steadfast and sure He tells us that we need to be learning from the one who is secure. Who is it that is secure? Where where is our security? Our security is found in Christ. Our assurance is found in the Lord Jesus. That is, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. This passage that he quotes in Haggai, he says it signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. The taking away of those things which are temporal. And the world is coming. Peter would talk about a time when the world would be melted with fervent heat when there would be a a time coming, when there would be a renewal, a reframing of the worlds, of the heavens and the earth. We believe that day is still coming. The writer of Hebrews is indicating that. And then in verses 28 and 29 here today, he tells us that we should be living for the one who is supreme. Living for the one who is supreme. He says in verse 28, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, as he talks about living for the one who is supreme here, he tells us that there is a life that can be lived, which is acceptable to God. He tells us at the first that we have received a kingdom which cannot be moved. That is, it cannot be shaken and it cannot be taken away. This kingdom, if you are saved by the grace of God, you are subject in the kingdom of Almighty God. And that kingdom is, of which Jesus is head, and he is king, and he is authority, and he is ruler, and he is supreme. Is a kingdom which cannot be taken away from us. It is a kingdom which cannot be rocked. It is a kingdom which cannot be removed. It cannot be torn down. It is an eternal kingdom. He tells us in verse 28, which receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, contrasting that there is a kingdom in this world which cannot can be shaken, but the one that God has given us cannot be shaken. Going back to the earlier thoughts of the two covenants and the two cities and all the things that he contrasted earlier on in verses 23 and 22 to 25. Now he comes here and he says that because we are members of this kingdom which cannot be shaken and cannot be taken away, he's going to say, let us have grace because it is grace. It is God's favor. It is God's enabling that we need for what purpose? That is grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. There is a right way to be able to serve the living God. There is an acceptable way to be able to serve God. I know sometimes we focus in today's culture about on things that um, on, on God accepting us and being accepted by God and not having to do anything to be accepted of God. And while, it's true that God loves us, and that God cares for us, and He died for us knowing who we were and what we were. While all those things are true, we also know that it is true that when we trust Christ as Savior, that God has a way, an acceptable way for us to serve Him. He wants you to serve Him in the right way. He wants me to serve Him in the right way, the right heart, the right motives, uh, with the right, right pursuit, with the right attitude. He wants us to pursue Him with the right expectation, and he tells us here what, what that is. He says that we should serve God acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. The way that we approach God humbly. The way that we approach God majestically. The way that we approach God, approach God with reverence and respect for who he is. Godly fear. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. We know that from the Proverbs. The scriptures tell us emphatically that this is where it all begins. And then he's going to conclude with this thought. He says, the reason why we must do this is because our God is a consuming fire. Now, again, this is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter four and verse number 24. And it speaks to the fact that God is a just God. He is a righteous God. He is a God that will demand and command uh, right things and right responses. Our God is a consuming fire. It is only of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, right? It is His mercy that allows us to continue to operate. And we ought to approach Him with great respect and great fear because we are serving the King of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God of gods, the maker of all things, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And we need to understand who He is. Our God is a consuming fire. And again, we've seen God as He consumed the bush in the Old Testament, a bush that. Uh, was, was, was on fire, but not consumed. And we know that it is only of God's mercies that we are not consumed we are part of him. We are integrated. We are branches, but we are not consumed by that fire and we ought to be thankful for that and serve the Lord, understanding that he is a God of justice, a God of righteousness, a God of judgment. As he quotes Deuteronomy four, let me close here with a thought from Titus two. Remember in verse number uh, 28, he tells us that we need grace Grace to serve God acceptably. Listen to what Paul would tell us that grace would teach us. He says in verse number 11, Titus two eleven: For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, what does grace teach us? Listen, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, we are looking for him. So he tells us here, listen up, look up. He tells us live right, learn right, look right, listen right. Listen up to what he has to say. The voice that's speaking from heaven is a voice that must be heard. Now from here in chapter number 13, he's going to define for us what this living acceptably, serving God acceptably looks like. And We'll pick up there, Lord willing, next week. We want to thank you so much for joining us today at Wisdom and the Word. We're thankful for the opportunity we've had to be able to share and study the Word of God together with you. We hope that you'll leave us some comments or you'll leave us some questions for our Thoughtful Thursday episode, podcast.watw at gmail.com. If you have questions you'd like for us to answer on Thoughtful Thursday or comments that you'd like to share, podcast.watw at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope the rest of your day is blessed and look forward to seeing you next time here at Wisdom in the Word. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.